Gospels, please join me as we open to the book of James. We're in chapter 1. Lord willing, we'll finish the chapter today. We'll look at James chapter 1, verses 22 through 27, as we continue to make our way verse by verse through this epistle. The book of James chapter 1, verses 22 through 27. If you're able, please stand in the honor of the reading of God's holy word. The word of God says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion is that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Join me in prayer. Lord, as we approach your word, we recognize what it is, the very word of the living God. You told us that all scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. Lord, would you equip us today? Would you teach us, reprove us, train us, correct us, equip us for the Christian life today? If there's one here who doesn't know Christ, I pray that he or she would be drawn to you savingly. And may we worship you through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, friends, last week as we began sort of going toward the end of James, we we talked about how this last part of chapter 1 of James teaches us how to receive biblical truth. If you remember, the verse we focused on last week was James chapter 1, verse 19, which says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to speak. Anger. And my example, if you recall, was Dr. Peak teaching the foxtrot. He would say, slow, slow, quick, quick, slow. And that was a reminder that in the Christian life, there's sometimes that we need to be intentionally slow. And there's other times we need to be intentionally quick. And we learned that we were to be quick to hear, but slow. To speak and slow to anger. And within that sermon last week, we learned the value of listening, of hearing. That hearing enables us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Hearing enables us to look to the interest of others and be patient with others. But most importantly, in this context, hearing or listening enables, enables us to receive the word of God. It's how the Word of God goes into our hearts and our minds is through 
hearing through listening. Well, friends, today James continues to focus on truth, but he makes a shift. And that shift today goes from just listening to biblical truth to what? Doing biblical truth. Listening to biblical truth is a good thing. But today the Bible, James, pushes the believer one step further. And he tells us listening is not enough. We need to do, act upon what we know in the word of God. There's no doubt about it. It is a good thing for you and I to stop, to open our ears, our hearts, to incline our hearts, incline our ears, what the proverb says, lean forward, listen, make sure you hear the word. But today, James says, listening is not enough. We have to be doers of the word. Friends, if you have your bulletin, the text breaks down into three parts. You'll see that on the back of your bulletin today. Three points as we talk about being doers of the word. James, first of all, makes a direct command. Secondly, he gives us what I call a striking illustration. And then finally, he gives us specific examples of what it means to be a doer of the word. But let's look at that first point, which is a direct command. Look back at verse 22, and you'll see the command in, that, in the verse. James says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. What I love about James is that the way he writes and the way he talks to people, the way he talks to his congregation, it's very plain, it's very simple. In fact, this section is so blunt, it cannot be misunderstood. And what James is teaching believers is that in our lives, we need to apply what we've heard from the Word of God. But just like last week, we talked about our problem with listening. Today, let's talk about our problem with doing. What's the problem with doing? You see, I think for a lot of people, unfortunately, even within the church, listening is as far as we take things and we never get to doing. You know, listening in the church, we try to make it very available, don't we? We have Sunday school, an opportunity to listen to the Word of God being taught. You can come in this congregation and hear the Word. Throughout the week, you can go to a life group or a Bible study, and you can hear and listen to the Word of God being taught. It's never been easy. You know, I'll say this. Is the easiest it's ever been to hear the Word of God is today. You can pull one of these things out. You can download any sort of Bible app, any sort of gospel lesson. You can listen to the word of God. You can take this in your car and through Bluetooth, you can just push play on your phone and it plays to the speakers of your car. We have no problem with finding ways to listen to the word of God. It's, it's available everywhere, but it seems like this listening stage is as far as many people want to go. And we often don't want to live out what we've heard in the word of God. Do you know that the, the phrase, the hearer of the word, the, the one that James is talking about, the hearer, that the word picture behind that is what we would consider an, one who audits a class. Did you ever audit a class at school, in, in college, or in, in seminary? I remember 
several years ago when I was in seminary, before we had kids, uh, Deirdre decided to come down to RTS and take a class with me. Now, I was a student enrolled in the class, but she decided to audit the class. But she would come with me, and we would hear the same lecture. But when we got home, that's when you really saw the difference, right, between a student and an auditor. Because when we got home throughout the week, Deirdre didn't have to study for the quizzes. She didn't have to take the tests. She didn't have to stay up and write all those papers. I did. And I thought to myself, you know what? There's a big difference between a student and an auditor. The auditor is not required to do any work. But the student, man, he or she has to do all the work. They have to be not only a hearer, but a doer. And friends, you see how it applies to this text. Now, Deirdre audited the class on purpose, by design, right? Well, friends, it's unfortunate today, but so many in the church are living as auditors instead of students of the Word, living as just hearers only, not being doers of the Word. And James says to us today, That those people who are just auditing the word of God and not doers of the word of God, they're deceiving themselves. They're deceiving themselves. So it reminds me of another story. Dr. D. James Kennedy told this story about 20, probably 25 years ago. We all know what this is. This is a medicine bottle. Take a look at that as we talk about this story. Dr. Kennedy said, you know, there was once a man who wasn't feeling well, so he went to the doctor. And the doctor looked at him, looked at all of his symptoms, and did all the tests. And the doctor comes back and says, sir, I've got some bad news for you. You have a disease. And left untreated, this disease will kill you. And the man heard the words of the doctor, and man, he was, he was brokenhearted. I, I have a disease that's going to end my life very soon. But the doctor says, but wait a second. There's a treatment for what you have. I know the exact medicine, that if you go and you take this medicine, you'll be cured from this disease, and you can live a normal and happy life. Well, the man was overjoyed, and he took the prescription from the doctor. He went to the nearest drugstore, and he got his prescription filled at the drugstore. The only problem is when he got his prescription, he walks into his house and he puts the prescription down on his counter and he walks away, rejoicing, thinking, oh, I'm cured from this disease. The only problem is he never takes the medicine. The medicine sits on his countertop. He's rejoicing, thinking he's been cured. He heard what the doctor said. He had the medicine sitting on his countertop, but he never stopped to open the bottle, get a cup of water, and take the medicine. And the man went away overjoyed, thinking he was healed. And we all know that that man was what? He was deceiving himself. He heard the words of the doctor, but he did not act upon what the doctor told him to do. He was deceiving himself. 
Friends, I want you to know that one of the most dangerous things we could do in life is deceive ourselves in a relationship with God. That's on many levels. First of all, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, you're not a Christian. You can deceive yourself by thinking that you are a Christian simply because you attended church one time and heard the Word of God. You can deceive yourself because maybe at one point you made a profession of faith, but there's been absolutely no change in your life. There's been no fruit. You deceive yourself into thinking that you're really a believer when in reality you aren't. Jesus talked about this. You remember when he talked about the sower and the seed and the seed would land on the rocky soil and it would shoot up as if there was life. Immediate life. You, you, you say it looks like it's alive. It looks like it's flourishing. But the rain would come. The sun would come out. And that would blow away. Why, Jesus says, because it had no root. It had the appearance of life, but there was no root. That's the person who's deceiving himself. And thinking that just because he hears the word and makes this so-called decision, but does not obey the Lord, has no change of heart. He's deceiving himself. Jesus taught about a group of people in Matthew chapter 7 who on the last day will come to him and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do that in your name? Jesus responds to them how? Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. That's a group of people who were deceiving themselves. Secondly, believers, we can deceive ourselves. We can deceive ourselves that we're growing in our relationship with the Lord just because we sit and we listen to all these Sunday schools and Bible studies and downloads on our iPhone. We're we're hearing this. It's going in our ears. But does it ever apply to your life? The Word of God says in this text today that Christians who think they're growing in their relationship with Jesus just because they hear the Word, they're actually growing into spiritual depression. Because the application of the word is not in their lives. The Bible says the Christian faith is an active faith. 1 John says, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and truth. What's James's point? Listening, it's a good thing. But listening is not enough. We need to do what the word of God says. So to explain this even further, James gives us what I call a striking example. Look at verses 23 and 24. Look at the example the Word of God gives us today. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Have you noticed how good James is with illustrations? I mean, when he teaches, he gives you an example. He says, think about this illustration. Think about this example. Let's talk about those we've already seen. We're not even through the end of chapter 1 yet. James has talked to us about the waves of the sea. Remember that? Being tossed to and fro like one who's doubting. He talked to us about a double-minded man. A man who thinks one way on Monday and thinks a different way on Tuesday about God. He's talked about a faded flower. 
And he's used that to describe the riches of this world. Well, today he gives us another example. And what is that? It's that of a man looking in the mirror. Now, before we talk about this example, let's think about this. Can you name someone else in James's family who is also really good at teaching with illustrations? <laughs> the Lord Jesus Christ, his half-brother. Think about this. I mean, when Jesus wanted to teach how the kingdom of God went into the world, he said, let me tell you a story about a man who goes out and sows seed. And it falls on four different types of ground. That's what Jesus does. When he wants to talk about salvation, Jesus says, let me tell you about a story of a woman searching for a lost coin, a shepherd searching for a lost sheep, a man looking for his lost son. If you want to talk about God's provision, consider the lilies of the field, consider the birds of the air. I mean, Jesus was the master storyteller. Gives us so many illustrations. In the same way, James' half-brother is doing the same thing. Today, James says, look at this example, the man looking into a mirror. Now, this is something that you and I do every day. Did you look in the mirror this morning before you came to church? Will you look in the mirror later today before you go out tonight maybe? We all look in the mirror. You see, we look often because the memory of our last image, the memory has faded quickly. Maybe some things have changed. We need to look Again, now, let's talk about the first century, because the first century doesn't look like this man looking in that mirror. You see, back then, uh, the mirrors weren't glass, and they normally were not in a vertical situation. They were made of brass metal, polished metal, and they were horizontal, and they were laid out on a table. You had to lean over and look into the reflected, polished glass. And this is the illustration that James uses. Now, as he talks about this illustration, he talks about the two people in this text. Here they are. On one side, you have the hearer, hearer only. But on this side, you have the one who hears and does, the hearer and the doer. James says, first, let's consider this person, the hearer. James says, the one who is the hearer only is the person that looks into the mirror and sees his reflection, but he forgets quickly what he looks like. You see, he doesn't stare into the mirror. He glances at the mirror quickly and turns and walks away. And when he turns and walks away, he forgets. He forgets what he looks like. He doesn't focus and concentrate on the mirror. He looks quickly and forgets. James says this is the person who hears the word of God and fails to apply it to his life. He's deceiving himself. Friends, the Bible says that non-Christians who glance at the word of God and they know that they should trust Jesus Christ as Savior, but they never believe, they never repent. That person's deceiving himself. He hears but doesn't believe. He looks quickly, but he doesn't apply. Friends, the Bible says that the Christian who is taught to love his neighbor, but he keeps on holding a grudge against his neighbor, not forgiving him, the Bible says that Christian is deceiving himself. You see, he hears the word of God, but he forgets. 
It's like glancing in the mirror and walking away. He looks quickly but does not apply it to his life. Friends, the Bible says it doesn't matter how much head knowledge of God you might have if you don't live out what you know to be true, if you don't follow hard after the Lordship of Christ, you're deceiving yourself. Just like the man who looks in the mirror and forgets. So is the man who hears the word and does not apply it to his life. But the illustration continues. We get to verse 25. And James talks to us not about just the hearer who looks quickly and forgets, but now he talks about the one who hears and applies or hears and does. What does verse 25 say? It says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. Underline that word, perseveres. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So now we get to this side. The hearer and the doer is the man who perseveres. And it's obvious in this illustration of the mirror that James is comparing the mirror to the Word of God. Just as that mirror would be laid out on a table horizontally and the man would look over into it, the Word of God is laid out before us and we look over into the Word of God. And here in this text, the scripture calls itself the perfect law that gives liberty. The difference is while the hearer looks and forgets, the hearer and the doer not only looks, but looks intently. He stares, he gazes, he perseveres and stares at the law of God, the word of God. And not only does he remember it, but he applies it to his life. You'll notice something interesting in this passage. The Bible calls itself the law of liberty. The law of liberty. When you think about the word law, do you think about liberty or being restricted? Some people say it restricts me. Law restricts me. If there's a law that says you can drive 70 miles an hour, that restricts me from going 71 miles an hour. But James here says the law of God is a law of liberty, that it liberates you. Well, what does he mean? Friends, I want you to know that what James is teaching us is that the law of God liberates us from sin and from the effects of sin. My old Baptist pastor used to say this. It's, a, it's one of those one-liners, but I'll never forget it. Sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. Sin will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. Sin will cost you far more than you ever wanted to pay. And that's the gospel truth. But God, for believers, not only does he save us from our sins, only by the blood of Christ, by grace through faith in him. But God says to us as believers, now that you've come to me as Savior, as you follow hard after me as Lord, obey my commandments, obey my law, and as you do, your life will be liberated from, the, from sin and from the effects of sin in this world. Here's what I mean. If you're married, 
When your eyes and your heart obey God's law, your life is free from the sin of adultery. When your hands and your feet obey God's law, your life is free from the sin of laziness or theft. When you humble yourself before God Almighty, your life is free from the sin of pride. When your heart finds contentment in the Lord, friends, your life is free from the sin of greed. When you put God first in all things, friends, your life is freed from the sin of idolatry. Children, teenagers, listen to this one. When you honor your father and your mother, your lives are freed from the sins of disobedience and and disrespect. When you work hard at school with the mind and the hands that God gave you, your life is free from the sin of cheating and stealing someone else's work. One commentator said it this way. I love this quote. Within the boundaries of the law of God, man is free. Think about that. Within the boundaries of the law of God, man is free for he is living in the environment that God designed for him. And James says, as you live that way, you will be blessed. Look at the end of verse 25. He will be blessed in his doing. Friends, don't just glance and forget and walk away. Don't just glance at the Bible and say, oh, I've heard it. You know what? That's, that's it for me. I'm not, I don't need to apply it to my life. You're deceiving yourself. As the law of God, the mirror of the law of God is laid before you, look over into it, stare at it in a persevering way. Hide these truths in your heart that your life, that your life might not be in the grapples of sin. So James' final point is this. He gives us three specific examples on how to be a doer of the word. Look at verses 26 and 27. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Right here, there's three examples of how to be a doer of the word. The first one is guard your tongue. Guard your tongue. You say, Pastor Adam, didn't we talk about that last week? Yes, we did. Be quick to hear and slow to speak. What are you going to find in James? He's going to repeat himself. There's going to be some different cycles of the same thing throughout this whole book. This is the second time we've talked about guarding your tongue. We're still in chapter 1. Wait till we get to chapter 3. There's a huge lesson on the tongue in chapter 3. But what James is teaching us is that our words are a reflection of what's in our hearts. Things like lying, slander, filthy language. They have no place with the child of God. So friends, one way to be a doer of the word is by guarding your tongue. Secondly, he says, help those in need. He zooms in. He focuses on two groups of people. He speaks here of the orphan and the widow. Jesus himself taught um, in that... um, 
great story of the Good Samaritan, the man whose life was broken and in need, how the Good Samaritan came along beside him and helped him. James is now saying, take this further, take this to orphans, take this to widows. These are people who need great help. They need care, provision, aid, especially in times of distress. One way to be a doer of the word is by serving others in the name of Christ. Thirdly, he says, keep yourself unstained from the world. We are called, absolutely we are called to live in this world, but we're not called to be of the world. Jesus said, as you live in this world, be the salt of the earth, be the light of the world, and engage the world with the light of my gospel, with the tastefulness of the gospel. But be careful as you live in this world not to be stained by it. Reminds me of the Proverbs chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. It says, Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Friends, the Christian life is a life that swimmed upstream. You're going against the current. There's a broad, wide gate that leads to destruction. Jesus said a lot of people are on that. Okay? But the Christian's going the opposite way. It's a small, narrow gate. Few people find it. That's the road, Jesus says, that I want you to be on. So as you're in this world, be salt and be light, but do not be of this world. Do not enjoy the sinfulness of man as many other people do. Friends, bottom line, listening is of great value. Open your ears. Incline your hearts to the things of God. Go to the Sunday school classes and the Bible studies. Download the apps on your iPhone. Make them go through the speakers of your car and hear the word of God. But James says today, what? Listening is not enough. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Let me say, before I say anything else, we've talked a lot about being doers of the word. I want to make very clear one point. By being a doer of the word, in no way would you or I be earning our salvation. That's not why we're doers of the word. We don't obey God to be justified from our sins, to gain entrance into heaven. There's no way you can do that. There's no way I can do that. We're all sinners. We fall short of the glory of God. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. Christ has done that for us. Christ, the Son of God, came to this world and did what you and I couldn't do. He lived a perfect life, and He died on the cross for your sin and mine. And we can be justified or saved from those sins, not by what we do, but because of what he's done for us. And that we believe upon him by grace through faith in Jesus' name. Yet, if Jesus is your Savior, he has taught us that we are to follow hard after him because he's also our Lord. And we're to be doers of the word, not to earn our salvation, but because we love Jesus. And he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. We are grateful to Him. We want to honor Him with the way we conduct our lives. So friends, know that, and as you examine that, 
I ask you this question. What should this text encourage you to guard against? I encourage you, guard against being an auditor. An auditor of God's Word. Remember, there's a big difference between being a student and an auditor. Auditor hears, but he doesn't act. The Word of God's calling us to not only hear the Word, but be a doer of it. Where, where's this in your life? Do you hear it? Just set it down and walk away? Friends, God's Word should affect the way we live our lives. Not just on Sunday morning. Every single day. Remember the man in the mirror. There's a man who looks, he glances, but he walks away forgetting what he looks like. He's deceiving himself. But this man over here not only looks, but he gazes. He perseveres. He stares into the word of God. And not only does he hear it, but he applies it in his life. Be doers. Be doers of the word. Friends, may God give us the strength to live in a way that's pleasing unto him. Pray with me, please. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Lord, we recognize that there's no way by our good deeds we could ever gain entrance into heaven. There's no way that we can pay the penalty or or be or be such doers of the word that we could earn a place in your kingdom. That's only, Lord, made possible by your grace, your love, your mercy. Yet you've called us to live as faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Enable us, Lord, by your grace, not only to be hearers, but doers. Let us never glance, but stare, rather, at the word. That the law that gives liberty might liberate us. And free us from a life of the entanglements of sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.